Welcome to Power Conversations Podcast. This podcast features discussions of overcoming by faith and resilience with women who are breaking glass ceilings and excelling to higher heights despite their past circumstances. Brought to you by What's Your Superpower TV channel, we will interview several women from across the globe who have overcome adversity and pushed through to fulfill their purpose. Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to Power Conversations Podcast. I am your host, Nadia Francois, and today's show is sponsored by Power Conversations Magazine. So make sure you download your digital copy for free right at www.powerconversationsmagazine.com. Today we have joining us a very special lady who is an author of a great book, and I'm going to bring her in. Hi, Miss Terry. Hello, Nadia. Thank you for having me on your show today. How are you? Welcome. You're very welcome. I am well, thank you. Good. So Terry, tell our audience who you are, where you're from, and what you do. My name is Terry Kozlowski. I am a Native American warrior on a path of becoming my authentic self. And I believe that we all come to planet Earth, this school uh, that we are meant to learn and grow in, knowing exactly who we are and what we're supposed to do with our lives. But we come into this world into our first unknown, and that's our family. And some of our families do great things for us, and other families have both good and bad, and some are just outright bad. And we have to learn to deal. And through that domestication process, we, who are, we authentically are, get squashed. And we go through life trying to figure out who we are. We are, we conform because that is what our parents want us to do. They want us to be good boys and good girls. We conform to be more like our friends because we want to fit in. And then we get into our 20s and 30s and think, I don't like who, who I'm being. I don't like these name, the labels that I am putting on, the masks and the armor that I've put on to protect myself. And then when we hit our 40s or 50s, we have that midlife crisis where we finally get to the place where we say, dang, I don't like living this like I am. And we start to actually take off the mask and armor and become our authentic selves. My goal in life is to help everybody in their teens and 20s and 30s to find their authentic selves so they don't have to go through that midlife crisis, that they learn from the beginning as soon as possible that they are worthy exactly as they are. And they were put on this planet to be their authentic selves, not to fit in. None of us are meant to conform. None of us are meant to be like another. We're supposed to stand out and be our authentic selves. And that's my mission on the planet. Awesome. Awesome, Queen. So, of course, with you arriving at this thought process and belief that you have, I'm sure that you had to overcome some things that, you know, made you realize these uh, these these statements. So tell us of an instance of where adversity arises and you had to overcome. So my story really begins with uh, a little girl who um, comes from uh, parents who are divorced when she was uh, eight years old. And unlike most divorces, 
my father got custody of my sister and I. He was the first man in the state of Maryland in the early 70s to get custody of two young girls away from their mother. And over the course of time, I didn't see my mother for several years. And at the age of 11, an opportunity arose. My mother had been an alcoholic and she had um, convinced uh, my dad that she was sober, she was in AA, and that she wanted us to visit. So we went across the country from Pennsylvania to New Mexico to visit my mother for this, what was supposed to be the summer break. We get out there and the first two weeks are fabulous. I'm 11 years old. My sister is not nine months, excuse me, 10 months younger than I am to the day. And we have some of the best memories I have of my mother occurred in those two weeks. Then she started drinking. And my mother is a mean person when she drinks. And she takes all of her angst and anger out on me. And although I played the little hostess uh, serving people their drinks and um, when everybody passed out covering them up and all my... Um, Codependent behaviors kicked in. When she threw up, I cleaned up after her. I was taking care of my younger sister, making sure she was eating, um, do, having breakfast and cleaning up, doing all those things that my mother was supposed to do. And I'm 11 years old. So yeah. one evening, the party gets out of hand. Everybody's passed out. And I wake up with a gag in my mouth and my hands and feet bound and my mother standing in the corner watching three men sexually molest me wow. so she could have drugs. That's what she sold my innocence for was so that she could have drugs. And soon after that, she disappeared and we were abandoned for uh, three days. When she showed up again, she put our suitcases out on the street and told us it was time to go home, shut the door and locked it. And we are 3000 miles away from my dad. Wow. And, and in that instant, the last thing my dad said to me was take care of your baby sister, which is a, which all parents say to their children. But mm -hmm. for me, that became, that was a twofold mantra. One, it got me into thinking, okay, what do I need to do now to get to the next safe place? How do I get us back to Pennsylvania? And so for a long period of time, that was a good thing. I got us back home. I made that phone call to my dad. I figured out how to get to the airport. I took care of things. And then I got off the airplane um, the next day in Pennsylvania and my sister runs up to my dad and hugs him and everything. And I walk up to him carrying my suitcase and say, I need therapy. At 11, I was a very aware child and I knew that what happened was wrong. It wasn't my fault and it was something I couldn't handle by myself. Mm -hmm. And my dad you know, bless his heart. He did exactly what was needed to be done because we landed on a Saturday, Monday morning, I was in therapy. Mm -hmm. So he did exactly what he needed to do as far as helping me as much as he could. So all of that started me down a very negative path of being fearful, because if your mother can't love you and protect you, who on the planet will? And from a psychological perspective, um, the hierarchy you needs, the first one is, do you have your um, clothing and food and shelter? And I always had that. So that first thing was taken care of. The second level was safety. And from the age mm -hmm. of 11, for at least a decade and a half, I lived in a constant state of fear. Because, again, if your mother can't love and protect you, who will? 
So every time right. I every time I looked at somebody who said, you know, I love you or said, you know, you'll be OK. I didn't believe them. I had absolutely no reason to believe them when my experience showed me that trusting those people who say they love you and are supposed to take care of you, that doesn't happen. Now, my dad was the exact opposite. My dad did take care of me. He did everything he could. But when you have that angst from your mother, mm-hmm. it's it's a, a lot more difficult to deal with because yeah. there, there's a bond there that mothers have with their children that is unexplainable. And unless you are a parent, especially a mother, that you know what that bond is and you understand what that bond means. And I don't know, other than my mother, I don't know somebody who has who's holding a baby and says, I'm going to harm this child. Because that's not something anybody actually has in their head at a particular moment in time. Right. So, wow, I am floored, really. So you went through such a traumatic childhood. Do you think that this pushed you into what you're doing now and the gives you um, gives you that push to want to help others that may have been in your situation or may see themselves putting their own children through this situation? Well, what I can say is that as I went down this journey of recovery, and I do think that no matter what type of life we had, we were all on a spiritual journey where we are to learn those lessons that we came to earth school to learn. And part of the lessons I needed to learn was how to transcend the fear that's part of our everyday life. The egoic mind is that part of ourselves that is meant to fight, flight, or freeze. Mm. It is it is meant for a purpose. The issue that we have in today's society is that for most of us, there is not, there is not a bear stalking us in the woods because we're picking berries. There isn't, you know... We, we don't even worry about crossing the street and getting hit by a bus because that's just so far in the back of our heads of what could actually be plausible. However, the egoic mind needs something to, to deal with. So what it decides to have us deal with are those things like, you know, Johnny at the meeting yesterday made a negative comment about me. And, you know, now we're all angst about Johnny when the reality is what Johnny thinks and says doesn't have any impact on my day to day life. Why am I allowing him to upset me and his comment to steal my joy and steal my peace? Why am I allowing that to occur? Well, the ego allows that to occur for us to focus on, you know, fight, flight or freeze. Mm. And our bodies automatically tend to, you know, when we go into a situation, anything that's new Anything that's different, the ego says, all right, this is something we don't know anything about. Be cautious. When the reality is you're walking into, uh, you know, a concert venue, you're all, you know, most of the people, you know, are there to enjoy the concert. Why in the world do you have angst? Mm-hmm. You know, just because you've never been there before doesn't mean that anything bad is going to happen. There, you know, your egoic mind brings into our lives everyday fear. And how you feed your mind. What are you watching on television? What are you reading? You know, what is your news source? Anything that you take in that's negative has an impact on you. 
So mm-hmm. for me, the example I use is I had a very negative experience with three Hispanic men who molested me when I was 11. So because of that experience, growing up, seeing Hispanic men caused me angst. It terrified me. And it's a good, I mean, I had a legitimate reason for that. Then I got in, then I went into the workforce and started working with Hispanic men and discovered that they were very caring, loving people. Mm -hmm. And even though it's been, you know, I am 52. So it's been over 40 years since my abuse. Seeing a Hispanic man, every so often, my ego will say, hey, and I have to say to my ego, thank you for the warning. I've had more positive experiences than negative experiences. And that fear completely subsides. Now, it doesn't happen as often as it used to, but it can still happen if I'm feeling vulnerable for any reason. Then that is an automatic (laughs) response that is ingrained in me. But Mm -hmm. we can... We can rationalize with the ego and remind the ego that you've had more positive experiences, negative experiences. So what are you watching on television? What are you seeing portrayed? What, you know, are you watching television shows that portray gangs? Are you watching television shows that are uplifting and showing diversity and showing how to love one another despite what we look like or what one another says, or if we agree or disagree with them. If you are putting into yourself light, light will come out of you. If you're putting yourself in darkness, darkness will come out of you. And the darkness is the darkness is the fear. The darkness Mm -hmm. is the fear. So you have, I believe there's only two emotions and we either respond out of fear or respond out of love. And I try really hard to pause No matter how I'm feeling, if I feel anything negative, I pause. Normally, I take a deep breath. And in that amount of time it took me to do that, my autotomic nervous system goes into effect and I can actually calm myself, calm my blood pressure, calm my stress and respond from and choose, consciously choose to respond from a place of love, even if I'm afraid. Yes, yes. And so you wrote a book. Tell us about the book. So if you would have asked me prior to 2018 about writing my story, I was not just a no, it was a hell no. It was not something (laughs) it was not something I ever wanted to do. It was something Mm -hmm. I had been asked about for uh, decades. I had been asked about writing my story. And in the summer before I turned 50, I became pregnant with the book. And when I say that, it's because I, when you become pregnant, you, you, you're pregnant. There's nothing you can do to, you know, you are pregnant. You have to deal with the pregnancy. So Mm -hmm. I sat down and started typing. And for nine months straight, I typed and I ended up with about 170,000 words that I pared down because 170,000 words is a lot of words for a book. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and um, in, it took 18 months to do the editing, but I, did, I didn't do the writing process the way you're taught to do the writing. I had no outline. You know, they tell you to do an outline and then figure out what you want in the chapters, break everything down. Then you write, then you figure out your title. No, title came to me. I figured out that there were going to be um, started writing. And when I started the editing process, I said, okay, now there's 
13 chapters. Then I whittled it down and realized that it really was only six chapters. So, you know, I went down to about 50,000 words. So I edited mm -hmm. a lot because a lot of what was happening in my process was there were things that needed to come out of me, mm -hmm. but didn't need to go in to the finished publication. Mm, some of that, good. some of that was me realizing these were healing stories I needed to remind myself of on my healing journey. And through the editing of the book, I discovered that I had a calling that I was supposed to do. And that is where the um, Cosmic Soul Solutions uh, and my coaching business came from. And I realized that I can help people. I can be that bridge over the pit of despair that specifically women go through in dealing with childhood trauma, sexual trauma, or abusive trauma in relationships, that I can be that bridge to help them over the pit of despair so they don't have to wallow through that process the way I did for over 20 years. Wow. That was good. That was good. <laughs> that was good. You have given me an earful since we've been on, but I'm going to just tap into the book um, and what you said about everything didn't make it to the final publish right mm -hmm. and so um like you said and myself being a writer and an avid um advocate for journaling um i definitely understand when you said that because writing is healing mm -hmm. and when you put things on paper you're getting them out you know, sometimes we feel like we have to talk about everything or tell someone everything, but writing is very effective in that manner. And so um, I definitely feel you on that. Like you had to get it out as a part of your healing, but it wasn't something necessarily that had to be a part of the book. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. I, I too believe I've been journaling on and off most of my life. And that off part normally involves somebody being nasty and going into my journal. So then you have to start trusting that journaling process again. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just had uh, been quoted in a journaling article that came out this week. Um, so it, it's something that I advocate greatly. I've taught the artist's way, which talks about morning pages and how important those are. And as part of my morning rituals, um, I do journal three pages every single day. And then awesome. I also have a writing prompt that I do once a week. So there are those things that I think are very, very important for us to do. Now, the one thing I can say about journaling and when it's important for you to actually speak it is when there is trauma. One of the things that we get told as when, you know, when we're being victimized is that, shh, this is mm -hmm. a secret. Now, mm -hmm. if you are told that something is a secret and you feel uncomfortable about it, you must speak it out loud. And the reason I say that is the moment you break that silence is the first step into that healing journey from the shame. Mm -hmm. And through my trauma, I didn't talk about it. It was a year before I told my dad uh, what happened. And part of that isn't because I thought I did anything wrong. It was because I was told, shh, it's a secret. Right. And, you know, you're told that I was told this by adults. I was told mm -hmm. this by my mother. And I didn't want, you know, when I told my dad what happened, 
one of the things that happened right before that is he stopped the communication from my mother. So my, I wasn't getting any influence from my mother for several years, actually, um, about six months after we got back from the trip. Uh, and then I didn't speak to her again until uh, I graduated. It was getting ready to graduate high school. Mm. And part of that was my dad saying, no, you can't communicate with her. Because every time she communicated, the last time she communicated with me um, prior to graduation was I had a complete mental breakdown because she was blaming me for uh, her drinking. I was the reason my parents divorced. I was the reason that her life was in such shambles. And I finally realized some part of me broke down and said, it's not my fault. And when and after that, my dad did not allow her to communicate with me. So when I started saying this happened and there wasn't that secret anymore, it became, mm -hmm. okay, this is now just a fact. This isn't shame. And shame is put upon us. Shame mm -hmm. isn't something that comes out of us. It is put upon us by saying, shh, it's a secret. Right. Mm -hmm. So for us to get rid of that, we have to speak it and the, because otherwise we're keeping the secret. Yeah, absolutely. And you're keeping yourself from healing, mm -hmm. keeping yourself from healing. Wow. So all of this pushed you into your business. What's the name of it again? Cosmic Soul Solutions is the name of the business. And um, from you know, it came out of me writing the book, Raven Transcending Fear. Um, when you write a book, they don't tell you that you need to have an author's platform. And uh, <laughs> as I finished the book, I'm like, I had to figure out what an author's platform is. And I started blogging um, on my website, terrykozlowski.com on January 1st, 2019, as a way to build up my um, platform. And I've mm -hmm. been doing it every week since. And then in August of 2020, um, I got challenged to go ahead and start a podcast. So I've been uh, taking that, uh, the blog and turning it into a podcast each week. So I've been podcasting. Uh, this week's episode will be uh, the 61st episode that I've recorded. So awesome. I, I am over a year in, into it now and I do it each week. And it's a solo show with me just talking about diving deep into a specific subject. And, you know, each month, um, have you ever heard of The Happiness Project by Gretchen Rubin? I haven't. It's a fabulous book. And the idea is instead of having resolutions every year that we never keep, that, right. we, that we decide at the end and the, in the fourth quarter of the year, decide what things we want more of in next year. And then each month figure out what those uh, 10 or 12 things are and each month focus on adding that more of that into your life. So the first time I did it, one of the things was I wanted to be more creative. So I started going to a painting class and then I bought a planner that had coloring pages in it. And it seems silly, but being able to add those things. And interestingly enough, the book came after I did added that creativity aspect back into my life. Mm -hmm. And the book came out of me being creative again. Yes. And so things lead to other things and we have to be open and see what the universe is trying to show us. So the happiness project, one of the things that occur is I have each month I focus on something. So for example, the month of September, I'm focusing on compassion and each week, my article slash podcast 
focuses on an area of compassion where I dive deep for uh, 10 to 15 minutes and we learn about what compassion is and how to be more compassionate to our fellow human beings. And it's only through compassion that we're actually going to heal the world because we that means we actually have to communicate with one another, which is an act of compassion when you learn to actively listen to what somebody's telling you. When we are empathetic and understand that just because you look different than me doesn't mean we're different because genetically we're 99.9% .9 exactly the same. Only that 0.1% is that exterior. And it's for me at this point in my life, it is, I can't fathom why we look at that 0.1% more than we look at that 99%. Mm -hmm. And understanding that for me to empathize with you means I'm supposed to walk in your shoes. I'm supposed to understand your perspective on an issue, not mine, because there is way more than one perspective. And certainly mine may not be the right one. But you have a perspective. And if you have a perspective and I have a perspective and we get five other people that have different perspectives on the same issue, most likely we're going to come up with a fabulous solution that deals with all the different perspectives. Because right. now we're seeing the whole of the situation instead of one or two sides. Right. So when we talk about empathy, it's about understanding from another perspective. And so I focused on compassion and every month I focus on something and I'm working on my, you know, it's, it's the fourth quarter, getting right into the fourth quarter. So I'll be working on what that content is for next year and what my happiness projects, those things I want more of. I want more compassion in my life. I want to learn more. So I, you know, I talked about growth in one month. I talked about what do we need to learn? Do we actually look at the things that we need to learn in our lives? I'm 52. Do I still need to learn? Of course, I still need to learn. I don't know right. everything. And we have we have to be open and understand that, you know, how I was five years ago, I'm a completely different person than I was five years. And if we do it by seven, if we, let's just do seven years, because seven years ago, my body was completely different. And what I mean by that is we physically change and have a new body every seven years from because our skin cells change. Everything changes every seven years. And that's a biological fact. That being the said, why is our mindset still back on my 11-year-old mindset? You know, right. I got trapped. So we need to really consider, you know, what version of Terry is this? Is this, this should be Terry 5.0 since I'm in my 50s now, right? Uh -huh. So, so I lived with Terry 1.0 for far too long. I was in my late 20s before I realized, hmm, this mindset that I have that got stuck when I was 11 is not the best way to look at how to live my life. Everybody isn't out to get me because they're not. Most, most people, if you really think about it, most people around you really on a day-to-day, -day, on our day-to-day -day lives, really don't think about us unless we have to have an interaction with them. Mm -hmm. My coworkers, you know, are not thinking about me today because I'm not, I'm not there. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the reality is if they do think about me, it's because they need something from me. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when we are actually looking at our impact on the world, what is it that we want people to take away? I want people to, when our, when our time is done, Nadia, I want you to think, wow, that was 
I did not waste my time speaking to this woman. She left me with gems of wisdom and she's going to have a fabulous effect on my audience. If, if you feel that way, when I, when we end this, then my goal was accomplished. And I know that when I speak truth, when I'm authentically myself with your audience, that I'm going to receive blessings in return because they're going to hear what it is that they need to hear from me. Yes. Absolutely. And you're giving, you know, a lot of times. Well, let me just say this. The mindset part that you're speaking of is very important because a lot of times um, we don't realize that some stuff that we go through in life is to help to empower or Mm -hmm. inspire someone else, you know, and so. Once your mind uh, is set on that portion, right, instead of why is all this happening to me and you switch it around and you believe yourself as an overcomer, you believe yourself as someone that has conquered um, those negative mindsets and those negative uh, situations that you've gone through then you can pass that along to someone else and it'll be received uh, as such. You know, sometimes Mm -hmm. we, sometimes our delivery isn't uh, what we need it to be, but when someone can genuinely see that you are being transparent, that you are authentic in your walk, you're authentic in your talk, then you can make the difference in their life. And I really applaud you for doing that for, you know, telling your truth, for living it, and for also creating the opportunity for others to be able to grow from their past trauma. I applaud you for that. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. You're very welcome. And with that being said, we will move forward to our power questions of the day, which are just some Simple questions that will help us to get to know you a little bit better. Okay. And so um, we'll start with this one. Name your pet peeve. Interesting life, my pet peeve has to do with pens. Don't (laughs) don't take my pen because I'm very particular about my pens. I order them special and I have them all over the place. And if you take my pen, I will get so upset. And I realized I really should look at this as I'm gifting them with a fabulous pen. But for some reason, my ghost mind hasn't made it that far. Right. (laughs) I still struggle with that. I understand because I have my favorite type of pens I like to Mm -hmm. write with. And then the crazier part is certain, like with certain notebooks, I I like certain pens. I mean, you know, I feel you you on that. (laughs) Don't touch my pens. Do not touch my pens. All right. Now, next question. And this is for, this could be for life or business. What are your three, your top three to five favorite apps? Evernote is one of my favorite apps because it doesn't matter where I am. I can use it to not only take a note, drop a note in, save a website to it, but I also can do voice memos to it. So it it is, and then I can access it on any computer worldwide as long as I have an internet access. 
I can find my notes. Okay. So that, nice. that would be the first one. Um, the second one, as far as apps are concerned, I'm not a real big app girl, but what I can say is I think that whatever calendar app you use, I'm big into calendaring. And this is mm -hmm. why if it's not on my calendar, it doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if I, so when I, when we talked about some of those things I wanted to add into my life, those painting classes, I would block off days and say, okay, this is a painting day or this is a writing day, or, you know, this is a day that I'm going to uh, go to yoga class. When I wanted to add, do whatever it is what I wanted to add more of, I added it to my calendar and it happened because yes. if it's on my calendar, obviously it's important enough to me for me to put it there. That means I must do it. So yes. any type of calendar up and currently I'm using Google because again, anywhere on the planet, if you have an internet access, you can get to your calendar. Absolutely. Okay. So that would be my second one. Um, the third one. Hmm. Hmm. I write about, I, I'm all over on social media, but I do that because it's part of the platform, not because it's something that I want to spend time to on. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not something I love to do. Um, but I decided that as part of the platform, if I was putting myself out there in a positive light and I was only engaging in positively minded ways, I wasn't going to negatively comment on anything. If I was going to comment, I was going to give a solution to, right. to the situation or I was going to give something to think about. Have you thought of it from this perspective? So that's how I approach social media because I think that from a global perspective, we have a way now to communicate with anyone on the planet. And it's, that's a huge responsibility to make sure that you're shining a light and not perpetuating darkness. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And then... I really, that would be, that's, that's, that's about it. Three. That's it. Okay. <laughs> good. That's good. Those are good. And I like, um, of course, the calendar one, because I'm a organizer. And like you said, if it's not on the calendar, it's not going to get done. <laughs> and from a, and from a legal perspective, if you have a calendar and I actually have a physical one that I like to write in, mm -hmm. um, but I use my Google one too, but they are hold on to them because they can be legal documents in a court of law. So mm -hmm. if they, if they want to know where you were or what you were doing, that calendar actually can be a legal document in a court of law. Wow. That's good information. Didn't think <laughs> of it that way. Awesome. Cool. So our final question is, Share what you love about yourself. I think the thing I love most about myself is my willingness to um, be open to accept others just as they are. I'm not going into any, any sort of relationship, any sort of situation where I'm imposing what I think should happen, what I think the outcome should be that I'm open to whatever the universe is going to offer me. And I do mantras every morning. And what I mean by that is I, I do I am statements. So I have a series of a series of I am statements that I wrote out um, at the beginning of the year that I do every day. But then I have a little tiny notebook where I 
write out 19, because there's only 19 lines, I am statements. And those are whatever I feel either I need to encourage myself in or I want to remind myself of. And one of the things I put in there is I'm making right connections. And again, it goes back into understanding that any person you meet isn't a stranger. Any person you meet, one of two things is supposed to occur. You are to teach them or they are to teach you. And you must be open to understand that nobody is out to harm you. And maybe that person who is being unkind in this moment, your job is to teach them how to be kind despite how they, you know, were responding to you, reacting to you. And maybe showing that kindness to somebody will prevent some that person from doing something to harm somebody else. And that we have to look at it, that it's our responsibility to respond with all those that we come in contact from a place of love. And if we do that, we have a ripple effect and that ripple effect changes the world. Yes, I love it. Be the change we want to see. Yes. So Queen, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been a very, very good, powerful conversation that we have. Tell us if you have any final thoughts and how to contact you, how to connect with you and how we can support you. So my last powerful conversation thought would be this. You are worthy exactly as you are. You are put on this planet just the way you are for a reason. The world needs you to be authentically you. They don't need 12 of me. They don't need 12 of Nadia. They need you. And without you, the world isn't whole. And without you and your contribution to the world, we can't heal the world. So you are worthy just as you are. Rise up and be proud of who you authentically are. And how you can get in touch with me, you go to my website, terrykozlowski.com. Um, you can listen to my podcast, soulsolutionspodcast.com, or you can get my book, raventranscendingfear.com. And part of um, the things that I have done recently is I have um, launched a course called um, the Overcoming Personal Boundaries, the Guide to setting personal boundaries to keep the drama out of your life. And my audience had requested me to teach them how to set personal boundaries, because that's one of the things that I struggled with growing up is understanding that because my mother was my abuser, my mother caused all my uh, abandonment issues. You're supposed to honor your mother and your father. And how can I honor her? If whenever she talks to me on the telephone, I react emotionally and I just want to hang up the phone. So setting personal boundaries was something that I needed to learn to do. And I was 28 years old before I was told that um, honoring your mother and thy father didn't mean that, that you allowed them to hurt or harm you. And I thought, well, that's kind of profound. And yeah. so the first thing I did was I told my mom that she could call me. But if she was drunk, I was going to hang up the phone. And mm -hmm. the first time she called drunk and I hang, hung up the phone, that's when the phones still were plugged into walls, not mm -hmm. your cell phone. <laughs> and I unplugged it from the wall, crumbled to the ground in tears because in the back of my head, my egoic mind was saying, honor thy mother and thy father, honor thy mother and thy father. And it really, it, the third time she did it, I was much better at doing it. And after the third time, she quit calling drunk. 
that the boundary set because not only do you have to set that boundary you have to also maintain that boundary because yes. pe because people will try to push that and my mother tried to push that but normally if you if you resist and you hold and you hold firm they will eventually you know deal with it or they will quit communicating with you which by the way is an okay thing if they're abusing yeah. you when they when they're communicating with you so um so the field guide to setting personal boundaries is on mastermind.com and Nadia, I'll give you the link and I have a freebie about setting personal boundaries that I will go ahead also and give to you to give to your audience. Okay. Go ahead. Um, do you want me to put it in the chat? Um, actually you can, can you email it to me? Absolutely. Yeah. Let's email it in that way. I can, uh, when I send out the notification of your show, I can have it there. Fabulous. Awesome. Y'all, Terry. Oh, boy. You know, I told you I'm scared to say your last name. Let me try <laughs> it the way you told me. Um, Kozlowski. Very good. Yay. All I right. So, <laughs> guys, Coach Terry Kozlowski has graced us today with all of this amazing, amazing information to help us heal and transform into our best selves. Um, so reach out to her. Did you give us your social media? I'm on everything, Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook, and I can go ahead and put that in the email to you as well. Yes. So reach out to her, guys. She has some amazing opportunities for us to be able to grow, heal, and authentically be ourselves. Thank you so much, Miss Terry, for joining us. Thank you very guys, much, Natalie, for having me. You're very welcome. Guys, this has been another episode of Power Conversations Podcast. Tune in every Thursday at 8 a.m. for a new episode featuring amazing women breaking glass ceilings. Power Conversations Podcast is brought to you by What's Your Superpower Anthology and TV LLC, a kingdom empowerment brand. Learn more at www.whatsuperpower.com. Power Conversations Magazine is our free online publication that spotlights entrepreneurs, community leaders, authors, and business pioneers. Log on at www.powerconversationsmagazine.com.